Welcome to another inspirational podcast from Abundant Life Church, where we believe that God is a good God. He loves you and he wants to bless you. Now join us as we dive into today's message. Glory to God. Tell our team how much you appreciate them. You may be seated. Wow. I don't know. I should just close. Driven 2022 is ownership, year of ownership and possession. Ownership and possession means the legal right to possess a thing and have control. Ooh. <laughs> ownership. The legal right to possess a thing and have control. Glory to God. To possess a thing and have control. My mentor years ago, Dr. Javizin, he said to me, he said, listen, he said, till you learn how to get debt free to where you don't owe anybody anything but love and you can take anything you've got and give away at any given time, he says, and you're still controlled. And thank God through the years we've been able to move to that place that I'm not controlled by anybody or anything. If I want to give my house away, I can give it away. Someone said, well, I'll take it. I'm sure you will. But the Lord will have to speak to me. But if he does, I'll do it. God knows. And my wife has always been in total agreement with me with everything we've done like that. And through the years, we've been able to give some houses away and some cars away. And it's been kind of cool. It's kind of neat to be able to help somebody when God speaks to you. And, you, and, you know, the thing is you do it because God's given you the ability to do so. And this year, you've got to take ownership and possession so you've got the ability to do whatever God tells you to do. If God speaks to you, you need to go somewhere and do something. You can't say, well, I don't have the finances. Or if God speaks to you to go give something to somebody, you won't say, well, I don't know what I'm going to do. Let, let me say this to you. We, we used to do things, we, we had years ago, we had a group come in and we did a capital stewardship campaign where we, we raised money over a three-year period of time to buy the property and the old property over there. Maybe some of y'all remember that. Some of you were here back those, which lets you know we've been here a long time. But they used this statement that always got in my craw. It's not equal giving, it's sacrificial giving. I thought Jesus was our sacrifice. I'm going to mess some of you up right now. If Jesus was my sacrifice, then whatever I give is not a sacrifice to me, but it's a seed that says that I want to harvest. Now, it might push me in what I do, but it's not a sacrifice because my sacrifice has been paid for by Jesus. He was my sacrifice. So what he's asking me to do is to sow an incredible seed of time, of talent, of energy, or of finance beyond the natural side of things. Brother, I love you, and you, I know what you, you and your wife are doing, and I want you to know I'm going to pray for you. That sounds good, doesn't it? Lord, I walk away. Lord, be sure and bless Michael and Natalia, take care of them, bless them. Really? I didn't pray for you. That's called prayer. Sounds good, doesn't it? But when I say I'm going to pray for you, that means I'm going to take time. That's right. 
and energy, and I'm going to begin to call your name out. And you're going to become a priority in my life. And I'm going to sow that seed because somewhere down the line, I'm going to need somebody to take time out to pray for me. I don't call that a sacrifice. See, we're, we're getting ready to go into this fasting thing, and some of you are thinking, I'm going to sacrifice a meal. I'm not sacrificing Jack. You're posturing yourself for supernatural happenings. Glory to God. Well, I've sacrificed for years. That's your problem. Did you know you're not even supposed to, to work to survive? I know the man don't work, you know, he doesn't eat. I get that. I know the scripture says that. But the Bible says that we work so we can give. We sow seeds so we can be provided for. You would like to teach that, wouldn't you? I share that scripture with you sometime. I'm not going to teach it now, but I'll share it with you later. <laughs> Working is for people that are in bondage. Sowing is for people that are free. You work so you've got seed. God gives you your, your gifts and your talents so that you can go out and produce Seed, God gives seed to the sower. We think God's going to say, hey, here's a dollar, sow a seed. Here's time. So, no, he's not doing that. He said, I'm giving you the ability. Here's an idea, concept, a strategy. Go use it to develop your ability to produce an income, not to survive so you can give. Because when you give, you've given me that which I need to now activate, press down, shaking together, running over in good measure, coming back to you. Oh, I can't teach that yet, but I... I, I Lord Jesus, shouldn't have gotten into that. You, know, you start chewing on something that gets bigger and bigger and bigger. What happened? But I'm going to let some of you go home and do your studies. God does not have you working to survive or meet your needs. He has you working so seed will come into your life that you can sow so he now can supernaturally provide for you. Because if your working becomes your source of survival, you no longer trust God. Only when you sow your seed do you trust God. And my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ. That's the one I'm going to teach on today, but I just got off into that. When you begin to look at your job as a vehicle to create that which you can use to sow, glory to God. I said glory to God. Think about it. It changes the world in which you live at because you don't get upset at your job anymore because you realize it's a vehicle. I'm just doing a vehicle. That's all I'm doing. I'm developing a vehicle here. It's a vehicle by which money's going to come into my life, and I can use that to bless, be a ministry, but I've got something now God can use to produce a harvest in my life beyond. Because you see, here's the point. If you can produce it, then God's not in it. Because the natural law, the natural law is the law of action and reaction. We know in the book of Genesis that when mankind failed, that God said, by the sweat of your brow, you can force the earth to be productive. It will fight with you, but you can, you, in other words, you can make things happen. Whew. But we've been redeemed from the curse. 
So now our job is to not be caught up with this is my source, but this is my vehicle because I'm going to take what the earth can, can produce or what my natural man can produce and I'm going to put it in the hands of God and let God multiply it. Oh, let me help you with that. Before Noah, there was no rain, but all the earth was watered. I said before Noah, there was no rain, but all the earth was watered. There was no drought. Isn't it amazing? Only when it started raining did we start getting droughts. That's another, again, I'm going places. I'm just trying to stir up your pure mind for the new year. I'm trying to get you out of your natural setting. I want you to get out of yourself and get into where God has. See, when you get so caught up with what God has said in the dream, that all of this stuff, you have to go through it, but all of this stuff loses its ability to capture you or to encapsulate you to where you feel like I'm just caught, I'm trapped. That, that's, a, that's a decision you're, you're going to have to begin to make in your life that, that I'm, I'm, I'm going to trust God no matter what. In this year, that was one part of the word of the Lord is, I'm going to trust God no matter what. Go over to the book of Joshua, if you would, please. We, we want to look at this as our theme scripture that we're using this year. And we're going to, we're going to begin to look at Joshua chapter 14, verses 6 through 15, and I want us to look at that for a quick moment, but here we find that, that, that the uh, children of Judah came to Joshua and Gilgal, and, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh of the Kenizzites, said to him, you know the word, you know the word, we talked about underlining that, you know the word which the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, concerning you and me in Canaan's Barnea. I was 40 years old. When Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought back word to him as it was in my heart. You know the word that God gave to Moses, the man of God who spoke into my life? I took that word, he had put it in my heart. I brought back not what I saw with the natural eye, I brought back what the word of God said. I said, I brought back what the word of God said. I, I brought back what the word of God said. I'm not denying the giants. I'm not denying the walled cities. I'm not denying what an what a, uh, enemy this could be. But I can't help who they are or what they are or what they represent. I just know what God said. And what God said, I put in my heart. So what comes out of my heart is not what my natural eye sees, but what my spiritual man has received. All kinds of stories to the scripture, but, you know, of course, the famous one is David and Goliath. Goliath said to me, going, oh, yes, and this young boy out to me. <laughs> David looks at him, he says, who are you, you uncircumcised Philistine? I'm going to tell you what God says about you. In other words, what's in my heart? It's what you put in your heart. Now, you can live with all the other things in your heart that you want to. I've had great opportunities through my life to live with hurts and pains and rejection and things of that nature. I've had some, some pretty hideous things done against my life. And I can meditate on those. I've had some losses in my life. I've lost some loved ones in my life. If I allow it, 
It'll capture me. But I've chosen not to deny them. I've chosen to acknowledge what God has said. I super impose over the top of all of those things in my life what God has said. And I, I understand what's going on out there. I know there's giants in the land. I, I, I know that the, the world in which we live, and not just the United States, but the world in which we live, is in great stress right now. But what's in my heart has nothing to do with what's going on in the world. I'm not saying it's not going on. I'm saying that I will rise above it because I choose not to look at what's going on, but I choose to look at what God has said. When I, do, when I see what God has said, then I know how to deal with what's going on. Go back and read the scripture in Numbers. They said there's giants in the land, there's great walled cities. We see all of that. But I didn't report that back. I brought back word to him as it was in my heart. Verse 8, nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people to melt, and I wholly followed the Lord my God. He said, the people around me chose to believe what other people were saying. But I refused to let my associates cause me to deviate from what was in my heart, what God said. And I got news for you. This year, some of your very close friends will come to you and try and get you to deviate. Because they're going to talk about how they see things rather than what God has said. So you're going to have to hide in your heart what God has said. This is my year of ownership. This is my year of possession. Verse 6, he said when the children came to him, he said he had a promise. He said what I did is I took what God said to me and it it became very personal to me. Turn to somebody and say, it must be personal. The worst thing you can do is get in a corporate worship and praise like we had this morning and get caught up in the corporate side of it and never make it yours. It's got to be yours. God's mama way come here. I said, he's my way maker. I don't know about you. And I'll sing the song with you, and we can all get high together on the presence of the Lord. But when I leave here, he's mine. Very, it's very personal to me. And he's working when I don't see him and when I don't feel him because he's my way maker. He said, it was in my heart, verse 7. So as a man thinketh in his heart. My, 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 you better guard what you hear. I was talking to someone earlier, and they were telling me about the fact that someone had come to them, somebody in our church, somebody had come to them in the church that was talking about some things, and they were so disturbed because they said, you know, I'm getting ready to get into service, and they're talking this stuff, and I'm really disturbed. How do I handle that? I said, next time you tell them this is not the time or the place, and I don't want to hear it. They said, I can tell them that. I said, absolutely. If you really want to get bold, just tell them to shut up. <laughs> I don't have time to hear that. 
have time to hear what, what somebody's complaining about. In church? Service is starting? And I'm going to talk to you about what? No, 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 no. Verse 8, when he talked about nevertheless, brethren, I wholly follow the Lord. What did he say? He says, I walk by faith in what God said and by what men were saying. I refuse to let the testimony of men affect what God said to me. I refuse to let the testimony of men affect what God said to me. Hmm. Verse 9. I want you to get this. So Moses swore on that day saying, Surely the land where your foot has trodden shall be your inheritance. And your children's forever. Because you've only followed the Lord. Talking about an inheritance here. I said he talked about an inheritance here. Inheritance here. Faithfulness. Now watch this now. As you walk faithful with the word of God in your heart, it puts a demand for a harvest in your life. When you walk faithfully before God, it puts a demand in your life for harvest. Now watch this now. And it demands a blessing upon your children. See, if I don't believe for a harvest, my kids are in trouble. <laughs> but if I can believe for a harvest, my kids are going to be okay. Because that inheritance is not just for now, it's for them. Right. Glory to God. This year, we're, we're setting, when we take ownership, we're setting something in place. Spiritually, we're going to take ownership of what God said. Now, what does that mean? It means it's going to produce a harvest spiritually. If you've got kids that aren't living for God, this year God's going to move in a fashion like you've never seen before because spiritually you've hidden the word of God in your heart. You've taken ownership of what God has promised you. Consequently, angels are being put on assignment to your loved ones. Because part of the inheritance is salvation. If you're saved and born again and the Spirit of God in you, then your children have an inheritance that's to come to them and the enemy's not going to be able to alter it. Well, let's go a little further. And now behold, the Lord has kept me alive, as he said, these 45 years. Ever since the Lord spoke the word to Moses, while Israel wandered in the while Israel wandered in the wilderness, and now here I am this day, eighty-five years old. Lord, how mercy! Now you know it's got to be a weird setting, because all the other people over the age of, of uh, twenty-five were dying. Of course, they tell us if we hang out, the younger people we hang out with, the younger we stay. So Caleb didn't age because all the old people died. But watch this now. He said, because I had it in my heart, I marched around in the desert for 40 years with these people. Think about how many of you have been coming to church going, I ain't got my miracle yet. I ain't got my miracle. Look, they got their miracle. Cheers, Pam. She got hers. What about me? <laughs> Just keep walking. Come on. Yeah, yeah. 
Just keep walking. Because God has promised. He walked 45 years more. Not only did he walk 45 years more, but he helped the children of Israel that were now grown to possess, and he saw them get theirs, and he didn't have his yet. Boy, nothing worse than see somebody else get theirs, and where's mine? It's easy to do that in a church. Get upset that somebody got blessed. If you can't celebrate somebody else's blessing, you're, you're altering yours. That's right. The hand of protection was upon him. The hand of provision was upon him. And the hand of favor was upon him in verse 10. The hand of protection, the hand of provision, and the hand of favor. And in verse 11, and as I am as strong this day as that Moses sent me, as on the day that Moses had sent me, just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war, both for going out and to coming in. Listen to what he's saying about himself. I'm 85 years old. You see an 85-year-old man, but I see somebody that's as strong as he was when he was 40. You see a man who's been through the desert for 40 years. I see a man who's about to get what God promised him. See, you can keep talking about all the negative you want to, but the me I see is the me I'll be. And it don't matter if I got knocked down, I get back up. It doesn't matter if, if the enemy has stolen, it's got to be returned. It doesn't matter where I am, it's where I'm going. I've had the word of God in my heart. I'm blessed in coming in and going out. I'm not going to live a life that doesn't end in success and prosperity. I'm not going to do it. Don't matter where I've been, it's where I'm going. Doesn't matter what I have, it's what I end up with. <laughs> Glory to God. See, we get so caught up in get, get what this year is about. You've got to take ownership of this stuff so that as you walk through this journey, self-image is so important. Verse 12. Now, therefore, give me this mountain. <laughs> give me, give me, give me. Oh, I don't ask God for anything. I don't want anything. How sad that is. Don't you read your Bible? Caleb, give me what you said. Anybody have kids? You ever make a promise? My, my grandkids, I, I give them $20 for every tooth that they lose as they're growing up and things are changing. And so they come to me. I had the older one come to me. He, I think he lost one of his final teeth. The word of the Lord. I'm, I'm basking in the presence and the word of the Lord. And, and he comes up and says, <laughs> you know why? Because he has my word. Oh, God. It doesn't matter what's going on. The promise is not based upon the circumstance. It's not based upon what, what has happened or not happening or what is happening. It's based upon a promise. 
A promise can be activated when you put a demand on the promise, then the promise that has been given by someone that is not a man that he should lie has to be answered. Hmm. Now, therefore, give me this mountain. Give me what you promised me. For you heard in that day that the Anakims or the giants were there and the cities were great and fortified. And maybe that the Lord will be with me and I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. And Joshua blessed him and gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, as his inheritance. And Hebron became before the inheritance of Caleb, the son, became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh to this day because he wholly followed the Lord his God. He said, I am able to take ownership From the time Moses spoke it to me over 45 years ago, from the time that we walked around in the desert because of we had these people that just couldn't seem to get in agreement. See, that's the reason they had to be in the desert 40 years. The leadership couldn't get in agreement. And because there was a vision, he couldn't take them to ownership. You better get this straight today, folks. You better make sure you're part of the body of Christ. You are joined in, that you're walking in peace and harmony, that you're walking in love and forgiveness, because if you don't, you're going to be stuck in your desert forever. You'll be there till you die. But he took ownership even though it was 45 years later, even though he'd gone through the desert, even though he'd gone and seen the rebellion, even though he'd had the people around him try and convince the other people not to believe what God had said. But he said, I put the word of God in. I was driven by one thing only, and that's what God spoke to me. And when he spoke that to me, it didn't matter about the giants. It didn't matter about the other spies who disagreed with me. It didn't matter about the leadership who couldn't get it together and they died in the desert. It didn't matter what anybody thought. It didn't matter what anybody said. It didn't matter that I went over to the promised land and I helped everybody else get theirs. Now is the time and God said, because you've wholly followed my word, now I will release into your life ownership. Now watch this now. You notice they didn't try and possess what God said he could own until God released him. But God didn't release him. Oh, I'm going to mess something up until he proved himself. Musicians come. God didn't release him till he had proved himself. We have a story in the Bible in the book of Genesis where God spoke to Abram and he says, I'm going to bless you. Y'all remember that over 12th chapter, book of Genesis, correct? He said, uh, I want you to separate yourself from your family. I want you to go to a land that you've never been to. And I'm going to bless you. And you're going to be a blessing. So much so that your children's children will be a blessing to all nations. Those that curse you, I will curse. Those who bless you, I will bless. 
He had a promise. Everybody say promise. Now, what we see that took place is number one, just because you get a promise doesn't mean you're mature enough to receive it. I know I'm kind of trying to help somebody because this year is our year. I, Lord Jesus, help our church to mount up with, with that understanding. We know that he was not mature enough to understand the promise even though he had the promise. See, once God gives a promise, he doesn't take it back. Well, I've done so bad. It don't matter how bad you've done, he doesn't take it back. He's waiting for you to mature enough to where you can possess it. First thing he did is that he gave an offering, but then he looked at the circumstance of what was going on and people were struggling, there was famine in the land, so he goes over to Egypt. And when he gets to Egypt, he says to his wife, he said, you're a good-looking woman. If I tell them you're my wife, they'll kill me to take you. Tell them you're my sister. Of course, we see that, find out that the, they came to the realization that when they caught him and his wife doing anything but a brother and sister would do. And they said, what are you doing? You're going to bring a curse on us. You need to get out of here. Remember, he had the promise of the blessing. He just didn't know how to handle it. God doesn't renege on what he said. So the king gave him cattle and gold. And he left in the very next, in, in, in the very next chapter, 13, in the second third verse, it says, Abraham was made very, very rich. But yet, you go a little bit further in the next chapter, and now Abraham, or Abram, is having a problem with his nephew because the, the people are fighting. But the reason they're fighting is because of his immaturity and growth in the things of God. God had told him not to bring him with him. See, I, I love some of you, but some of you are having problems in your life because you're, you simply are allowing things in your life that God has not ordained. You've got to mature past that. There were these things, I'm going to do what God said. I don't care what somebody else says. I've got to move, like I said, with this spirit head and not this natural head. And of course, we go a little bit further and we find out that he gets himself together and he gets rid of, gets rid of his nephew and then he has to go rescue his nephew and and then he gets his life straightened out because, see, until then he hadn't been tithing. But it said he met Melchizedek, the high priest of the Most High God, and brought him tithe of all. Now he got it straight. He gave God his. He separated himself and mature, he matured enough to where now he knew that I can't live a lie, I can't live in disobedience. And now I've got to follow the structure that God gave me. So I'm going to give my tithe and I'm going to give an offering. Doesn't that sound wonderful? Now watch this now. But then we go over to the book of Genesis chapter 26. And we have Isaac. And there's a famine in the land. But God says to Isaac, unlike your father who was too immature to listen to me, you don't leave the land that I put you in. Oh my God. 
So Isaac stays there, but then he looks at his wife and he goes, you're too good looking. They're going to kill me for you. So he does the same thing his father does. And he says, she's my sister. Of course, they found that out. Amen. But the difference was, he was, they couldn't tell him to leave because God told him to stay. He was mature enough to recognize that he had messed up. God help us mature enough to know that if we've messed up, we'll get it right. And he was mature enough to take what God said and stay where God told him to stay, in the middle of a famine. And he was mature enough to know that God was not a man that he should lie. He learned from his daddy that he was supposed to be blessed no matter what he did. So in the middle of a famine, he sowed his seed. Isn't that funny? And because of his maturity, he received a hundredfold return, and then the Lord blessed him with his own covenant. See, some of you are living off of the covenant of Bishop Woody Thomas. But God's trying to take you this year to mature you enough that you can get your own covenant. You've been living off the blessings of the house. Nothing wrong with that. There comes a time, though, that you've got to begin to be a blessing to the house and not live off of the blessings of the house. It's called maturity. Turn to someone and say, it's called maturity. See, when you grow up, which means... It doesn't change. My dad suffered his first heart attack. And he was unable to pastor or work for a number of months. And then he got back into it. Then he suffered another heart attack. And eventually he couldn't do anything. But it was funny because my mom and dad, no matter what happened, they were always tithing and they were always giving. And my dad never complain and I never one time heard him complain about his heart and I never heard him one time complain about finances when they repossess the house my dad says we'll find a place to live God's got something for us when they took the car he said God will give us something we can drive till we get to where we need to be From the age of 51 to 58, he walked through the valley of the shadow of the death. But when he had his encounter, God looked at him and said, you've never changed. I said, Dad, what did you say to God when you had your encounter at Lake Ida? He said, the first thing I said to him is, when I was 15 years old, I got saved. I set the call, your call on my life to be a minister. I've never touched another woman but my wife. I've never done drugs. I've never been an alcoholic. I've never gambled. I've never used swear words. And I've never complained to you or anyone about what's happened to me. Because you're my God and I trust you. Come on, turn to somebody and say, that's maturity. 
in a manner of one year. He was healed. Somebody bought him a brand new car. And they moved in the house of their dreams. And abundant life is who we are today. Because we had someone who walked through the valley of the shadow of death that said, I will refuse to do anything but wholly follow the word of the Lord. Jesus came that I might have life and I might have it more abundantly. It is a thing that drove him and my mom, drove them past the sickness, drove them past the poverty. It was a thing that drove them past every obstacle. Even when people came to him and said, you're losing your mind. When dad, they would talk to my dad and dad would talk about the goodness of the Lord and they'd say, we need to pray for you. God doesn't want to do this for everybody. There's something going on in your life like Job's friends. There's something going on in your life that God's trying to show you. My dad says, I'll not listen to you. He lost friends. He lost relationships as he walked through the valley of the shadow of death. He lost his health. He lost his, he lost his finances. He lost his friends. He lost his ministry. He lost his ability to function. But he said, my God, Jesus came that I might have life and have it more abundantly. It's in my heart. I don't care. I'll go to heaven only believing that. But there came a day. Come on, tell somebody there came a day. I don't know what you're going through. That if you'll put the word of God in your heart and wholly follow and let that be the driving factor, you this year will see the clock turn back. You're going to take ownership of your dreams and your vision. And in that ownership, you will begin to possess everything that is to come with that dream and with that vision. This is the season that we're going to be driven to ownership and possession with the Word of God that we hide in our heart. Thank you for listening. We trust that what you heard today has encouraged you to live the abundant life. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on our website, AbundantLife.tv, or follow us on Instagram at AbundantLife underscore TV and Facebook at Come to Life. And remember, God is a good God. He loves you and he wants to bless you.